0: Welcome to Legends from the Fireside. Standing upon the shoulders of giants in this genre, Legends from the Fireside is a hybrid storytelling RPG podcast set within worlds of sword and sorcery. In our tales, the dice tell the fates of those worlds, for good and or for ill. No character is sacred, survival is not guaranteed. As storyteller and game master, I craft the narrative from these dice rules and create quests from this chaos, all without knowing what could happen next. Listener discretion is advised as we may explore dark corners of this genre. But, come now, for Adventure Awaits, listening to The Legends from the Fireside. Previously, on Legends from the Fireside. Our heroes in the last episode had finally gotten a moment of rest in Ocala. But, like all things, moments of peace come to an end. Duo realize how badly the sleeping sickness has affected the community, and agree something must be done. The party encounter two new faces, Belgin, the gnomish alchemist, and Thanel, a ranger from Oak Hollow. Belgin is saved by Thanel before being attacked by a mob of villagers, and Thanel demands they speak with Darleo, the gnomish alchemist and Belgin's teacher in order to get to the bottom of whatever is going on here. Darleo offers the party an opportunity to help. They must retrieve a rare fungus known as Ironbloom. Luckily, Darleo knows of a nearby ruined monastery where they could find such a fungus. Later, we find that Belgen and Darleo have a better idea of who may be behind all of this, and they seem to know much more than what the party had initially been led to believe. A once promising student named Alquod may have returned and may be poisoning the nearby rivers and streams with his alchemical experimentation. Before we dig into episode 8, I think that it's fair that we dive into our two newest party members. First, let's start with Belgin. Belgin will be playing a gnome, and I'll be using race as class for this. As a gnome, he will function similarly to an illusionist. I'm going to roll the 3d6 down the line and I'll read off the respective values. For strength, 9. No penalty, no bonus. For constitution, 9 again. No penalty, no bonus. For dexterity, 12. This is good, but unfortunately no bonuses. For intelligence, I got a 14, which means I'll get one additional language for Belgian. I usually like to reserve Draconic as the language of magics, so I would imagine Draconic would be a good fit. Plus, if we ever run into kobolds, there may be some room to have a common language. Wisdom. I got a 12. Again, no bonus, no penalty. Last but not least, I got a 7 in Charisma which is not particularly surprising, considering how Belgin was played in the last game. For his health, he will have 4 HP from the get-go, so let's hope there's no combat. Now because he can wear it, I will outfit him with leather armor, which puts his AC to 8. Lastly, I can now get a spell for Belgen. I'm imagining this spell was a charitable act of Darleo to be taught to him, So rolling randomly and selecting whatever we get makes sense. Let's see that roll. I'm gonna roll a d12 and check the spell list. Alright, I got... Huh. Chromatic Orb. Well, this one will definitely come in handy. I'll suggest that he has some sort of component necessary to cast the spell, which I believe is just a piece of quartz worth about 10 gold pieces. Again, Darleo seemed to be pretty helpful at the end of the last episode, so I'll imagine he gifted him this crystal at some point. Now, for the Ranger Thanel. Again, I'll be rolling all the stats down the line. For Strength, I got a 5. That's going to be an issue, I'm sure, but let's see how bad. That's a minus 2 to attack and damage in melee. Perhaps she is of a more slender frame, more slender than originally anticipated. For Constitution, I got a 14, oddly enough, so she actually gets an extra HP for her level. I guess all that determination really pays off. For Dexterity, I got a 14 as well, which is perfect for a Ranger, giving her a plus one to her armor class, ranged attacks, and personal initiative. Next is Intelligence and I got a whopping 15. This gives her a bonus language as well. I'll assume that as a ranger she probably needed skills to hunt local troublesome creatures, so Goblin may be a helpful language for this area. For Wisdom, I got a 14. She's certainly a brilliant character thus far, and she gets a plus one on her magic saves. Lastly, Charisma. I got a 10. No bonus, no penalty, not bad. For health, she's going to start off with 8, plus 1 for her constitution gives her a total of 9. For her armor and gear, I figure she can only afford leather and a short bow, so her AC is a 7, considering the plus 1 from her dexterity. She also has a pile of special ranger powers, but let's address those when they come up. Chapter 8, Part 1, Day 13. Party status. Morris ten out of ten hit points. Terriad. Ten out of ten hit points. Thanel. Nine out of nine hit points. Belgen. Four out of four hit points. Terriad has prepared the spell. Cure, Cure light Light. light, light, light. light, light. Belgen has prepared the spell. Chromatic. chromatic, oh, chromatic. Oh, oh. Though the party were not strangers to the road, Everyone but Thanel were strangers to the dense forests north of Oak Hollow. The party packed their provisions in advance, anticipating around three days of travel from Oak Hollow to the monastery and back. The weather was sunny and clear, and the tree cover above offered a good deal of shade. Unfortunately, the humidity made for a relatively uncomfortable trip. The mosquitoes that spawned from puddles and streams were enough to drive Belgen crazy, but he held his own among these seasoned adventurers, hoping to change their minds of his worth. Since this area is pretty densely settled with the creatures, I'll roll for random encounters for each day of travel, which in our case is two days. So on 2d6, I got a one. Oh no, and a one. Oh boy, just our luck. By about midday of their first day of travel, the party see a small path veering away south, ending what seems to be an old barn and a farmhouse. Thanell at this point seems compelled to check in with the locals, feeling it her duty to ensure their safety. As the party enter this farmstead, I'll have her role to track footprints, to see if she gets an insight of the area and see if there's any clues of inhabitants. Because she's level one and the road is a dirt road, which is spongy enough to make for deep footprints, I'll give her a bonus of 20% due her already existent 20% chance of success. I rolled a 58. So, unfortunately, she didn't notice the footprints. As the party into the homestead, they notice a man dressed in the rugged garb of a frontier farmer as he's angrily smashing things within the farmhouse. Hoping not to alarm the farmer, Tariad hollers out, Sir, may we speak with you? The farmer then stops what he is doing, stepping forward out of the house and calling out incredulously, Who are you people? Tariad began to pat at the air again as he tried to calm the farmer down. We are travelers seeking a cure for the people of Oak Hollow. We mean you no harm. At this point, I'm going to roll for a reaction check and I got 9 plus 2, 11, which is great for the farmer, not so much for this party. The farmer's enraged expression fell to despair as he began to weep aloud. I've lost it all. My wife, my child, my home, all thanks to that damned wizard hanging around the abandoned monastery. Morris stepped forward and said, You know of the monastery? Perhaps this won't be as difficult as we thought. Not wanting to prod the farmer, the party had a brief moment of silence to consider their fortune, and the farmer's misfortune. Thanell stopped for a moment and said, I think it's safe to say that we all want to help you with all that's happened here, but first, what is your name? I think we have met before, but... I'm afraid I can't recall it. My name's Brom, Kellum Brom, and I've lived here in the forest with my family for years. Thanell looked incredulously at the farmer for a moment, then quickly disguised her confusion as to not appear rude in any way. Very well, Kellum. Uh, Mr. Brom, I am happy to welcome you to our traveling party, said Morris, assuming the role of party leader, as Thanell stood confused for a moment. Are you able to defend yourself? Our companion has said these woods may be lousy with critters and goblins. Indeed, I can look after myself, as the farmer shook a pitchfork menacingly in one hand. If you'd like, we may spend a few hours here with you. If you'd like to pay your last respects to your wife and child, perhaps we might conduct a last rites ceremony? chimed Terryad in a kind and calm voice. No need, boy. I've gone and been taken away. I ain't seen him for days. The party felt a twinge of suspicion after having heard him angrily tearing apart his home just earlier. Are they still out there? Perhaps we might be able to find them before this wizard you mentioned. I said there's no need for none of this. We can handle this wizard. And I'll have the revenge I desire. Morris nodded solemnly, knowing full well the way that revenge can often satisfy the sense of loss an undeserving death may cause. Then he added, The man wishes to have the wizard killed to reach peace, and that is a respectable desire. My only questions now are about what you know of this mage. What can you tell us about him? The farmer began walking in the direction of the party, then passed them towards the monastery saying, Well, for one, he isn't at my farm. He's a gnome, and for what it's worth, I don't quite think I could trust many gnomes after the sort of trouble this wizard has caused us here, as he gave a dirty look to Belgen walking by. Belgen shifted uneasily after the varying distrusting glares of the humans of his party but, he felt relief when Terry had placed a hand on his shoulder, and gave him a sincere look and shook his head, as if to tell Belgin to ignore what the farmer had to say. As the party traveled down the path through the forest, past pine, birch, and oak, the farmer went on with tales of the gnome's troublesome magics. Plants had withered and turned sickly colors, the river water was greasy and black, and some of the animals would look at him with an odd intelligence as if spying on him. While the party had paid little mind to him as his wild stories continued, they were grateful that he seemed to know the way. Finally, as the sun began to set, the farmer sat down on a log and said, Well, this is as good a spot to rest as any. We'll be back there in the morning, no time at all. Again, the party looked at one another curiously, then likewise began to prepare for rest. Teriad and Thanel began to prepare a fire when Belgin came over and used a few ingredients from his belt pouch to cause a sudden spark. Thanel and Teriad smiled approvingly of the quirky gnome and Mars returned to camp with wood. As the moon rose in the sky, the party conversation was non-existent. Taking in the sounds of the tree frogs chirping to one another in the night with the occasional slap of a mosquito, the party had no idea they'd witness a visitor entering their camp without a single noise at all. Thanel was the first to notice. The others only noticed after seeing Thanel leap up with bow in hand and an arrow drawn. A strange, wispy visage of a man, wearing a tunic and a belt, holding tools, slowly walked into their camp, illuminated by the dull embers of the fire. As Teriad leapt up beside Thanel, He clutched his walking stick as if it were a holy symbol, and he closed his eyes to pray. But, slowly, he opened an eye to look again at this visitor. The whole assembled party stood silent and poised to strike or run at this one moment, when an eerie voice emanated from the spectral being. They see me still. Please, stop looking. I I only wish to complete my work. Please, by the grace of the patient one, let me return to my work. I I feel those eyes watching me in my sleep. When I close my eyes, I see them staring back at me. All my secrets are read like words in a book. And yet, I know nothing of who watches me. Please stop looking at me. I beg of of you. As the ghost continued through the camp, It began to look over its shoulder, as if something was right behind it, in the trees and in the bushes. As the being walked through the camp and disappeared into the trees, the party looked to one another and breathed for the first time since the ghost had arrived. The farmer whispered to the group, I told you, magic has ruined these woods, and we need to put a stop to it. The farmer then shook his head looked into the distance where the ghost had gone, and then settled back into his sleeping spot by the log. Morris whispered to Teriad, hoping for guidance. He, he won't come back, right? I'm afraid he may. He seems to be truly tormented, even after death. I would get some rest, Morris. I don't think it's him we have to worry about as he began to look around cautiously. Are you looking for a D&D podcast with the dark side? Something more like Game of Thrones and less like Monty Python? Tale of the Manticore is part dark fantasy audio drama, part solo D&D RPG. There's no plot armor here. The dice make all the important decisions. Join me as I resurrect the excitement, wonder, and emotion of old school D&D. Made for a mature audience, Tale of the Manticore is both a fiction and a game. It's the story where chaos rolls. Chapter 8. Part 2. Day 14. Party Status. Maris. 10 of 10 hit points. Teriad. 10 of 10 hit points. Thanel. 9 of 9 hit points. Belgin, four of four hit points. Tariad had prepared the spell, Cure, Cure Light light. light, light, light. Belgin has prepared the spell, Chromatic magic. The party, waking up after sleep, was hard to come by, thanks to their very eventful evening. Began to pack up for the monastery. The farmer was the first on the trail, as expected, and the party followed swiftly behind him. They continued on the path for a few hours before seeing some rocky formations in the distance, with a fortified and ornate building jutting out of the side of this rocky formation. A pair of paths led up to the building, one to each gate on other sides of the building. This building, crafted of hewn stone, was a large square, with the predominant building being an L shape, with a guardhouse on the inner elbow of the main building. The two gates make up the remainder of this overall square. The walls climbed up about 15 to 20 feet. and the tower, the walls climbed up about 25 feet. The party needed to cross a small bridge over the River Yadlit, the same one that runs through Oak Hollow. As the party approached the gate, they saw within a small cobblestone courtyard complete with a fountain filled with stagnant water, and a few dismantled carts. As Thanel began to experiment with her footing on the portcullis, Morris turned her to him and said, Even if you can clear this, how are we going to get the others over? Especially if we're going to have to run out of here. The party then began to look everywhere for some sort of apparatus to lift the gate, but to no avail. Thanel looked back to Morris and said, Why don't you just try and lift it a bit, and then we can climb under and hold it for you? Belgin chimed in as well. We can even put something underneath, so if we need to retreat, we can. Morris shrugged and began to shake out his muscles, stretching before this move. Morris's strength allows him to open doors on a two and six. So all we need to do is roll a one or a two, and we'll have a success. Let's see what he got. Oh well, look at that. Morris put his back up against the gate for a moment, and slowly squatted down, snaking his arms through some of the lattice of the portcullis, before breathing deep and attempting to lift it with his legs. As he clenched his teeth and shook, he slowly but surely lifted the gate up a couple feet, and breaking from her fascination for a moment, leapt into action, rolling under, followed by Belgin, Tariad, and the farmer brawl. The crew lifted one of the dilapidated carts and carried it to the portcullis, sliding it under. Morris began to release his stance, and he felt the cart take some of the pressure before he fully let go and heard the wood of the cart groan under the weight of the gate. He waited a couple moments before opting to roll under. As they rejoined on the other side, they were met with new options of what to do. To their right was the door to the gatehouse. To the left was a door to the monastery proper. Belgen had already looked into the fountain and was startled when the greasy black snake slithered out of its hiding spot. Tanel looked through the window of the gatehouse and said to the party, I see cobwebs. Old cobwebs, but they're massive. I don't want to take any chances here. The party agreed without need for debate, then proceeded to the other doorway. Thanelle put her ear to the door, but shook her head when she heard nothing of note. The party then cautiously opened the door with the following marching order. Morris in the front with a spear and shield, Teriad close behind with a lit torch, Belgin behind Teriad with a gemstone in hand, in the rear held up by Thanell with her bow and the farmer Brahm with his pitchfork. As the party entered, they noticed freshly burned torches fixed in the sconces on the walls, but their own torches revealed the hall to have fine tiled floors and smooth marble walls. With the hall itself being 10 feet wide and about 15 feet high, the hall continued before them about 30 feet before coming to an intersection the path continuing forward, and a new path going to the left. Mars cautiously moved to this intersection, and when they looked down the left path, they saw a similar hallway with solid oak door on both the left and right walls, about 20 feet down this 40-foot hall. Down the hall they'd been currently traveling, a solid oak door waited about 20 feet further from where they were. Any preferences? Mars asked over his shoulder. Just stick with the simplest paths we can. Less doors, less ways it can sneak up on us. Morris nodded and walked straight down the current hall before stopping at the door on the right. Terry had walked up with his torch, and Belgan let out a small gasp at the workmanship on the carvings on the door. A relief of craftsmen of all types working together, yet apart, adorned the door. The workers all seemed to move when viewed at the right angles. The illusion was enough to make the farmer roll his eyes, and he suggested they begin with opening the door. Thanell held up a hand to be cautious, then put her ear to the door. The solid oak had no noises on the other side, and thus she shook her head. The party then proceeded in, cautiously. The room smelt of old, worn fabrics as the torchlight revealed a series of bunks and footlockers, all tattered and broken to different degrees. Within the room was a single door with a placard on it. Bronze, though with illegible script. Someone seemed to have scratched over the name and wrote beneath it, Gone Forever. As chills rolled down Belgen's spine, he looked from the placard back to the party, who were inspecting the room, and saw the farmer staring at him, as if he'd been staring at him the whole time. Belgen, caught off guard, stumbled backwards, and accidentally bumped the door noisily with a resounding knock. Morris shushed the gnome and shook his head disapprovingly. Belgen swallowed hard and walked to the party without once breaking eye contact with the farmer. Belgin turned away and said to the trio gathered at the bunks, Hey, I think the door over there might be important. Is that why you kicked it? asked Mara sarcastically. Ignoring the sarcastic comment, Thanel said, It's probably locked, Belgin, but I'll take a look. As Thanell rattled the knob, she said, Yeah, as I thought, locked tight. Morris replied from across the room. I could probably take the door off the hinges if you'd like. Before Thanel could even disapprove, Terry had jumped in. Not a chance, Morris. I think we have already made enough of a racket here. With that, the party gathered themselves and marched into the hall again, in the same marching order. I'll roll for a surprise real quick, since the party were not exactly quiet. I got a three... And a three for the party. No one is surprised. As the group entered the hall and slowly closed the door with a click, another clacking of wood in the hall echoed afterwards. Everyone's heads snapped in the direction of the wooden clack, and their hearts sank when they heard another wooden step matching the first. Something was coming, and it did not sound like anything they'd seen before. Thank you for listening to an episode of Legends from the Fireside. If you enjoyed what you heard, feel free to leave a 5-star rating and a review. Some of these reviews may be read at the end of episodes. I have another review that I'd like to read. This one comes from Misty801! I have recently started listening to solo play RPGs. This podcast is a nice addition to the show list. Definitely glad I heard this ad on Tale of the Manticore. Now I'll be honest with you, after placing the ad on Tale of the Manticore, my listenership jumped and it really makes me feel good to know that people like you, Misty, have enjoyed the show enough and have made me part of the rotation, especially alongside shows like Tale of the Manticore, which if somehow you found my show before you found Tale of the Manticore, I highly recommend you give it a shot. You can also reach me at Legends from the Fireside on Twitter, or you can email me at Legends from the Fireside at gmail.com.